So, week two of quarantine, nearly there, on the home stretch. It's all right. I'm actually quite enjoying it. <laughs> I, I, it's, I just have to stay inside. I look out the window at the moment, it's pouring with rain. I get to, instead of doing the school run, you know, when you're all wet and you're dragging children along and, and you just it's all wet and soggy and horrible, I get to wave them off at the door. They're with someone, not just yeah. on their own, they're five. But I get to say bye and then just shut the door and I just can't go out. If I need to get some milk and it's pouring rain, I have to ask someone to get it for me. It's, so it's, you're enjoying it? I think I am. <laughs> That's strange. I think See, I've not done it. I've not had to do it. I've never had symptoms. I haven't come back from anywhere where I've needed to quarantine. So I've not been stuck inside. I've always, even when lockdown was at its absolute strictest, I was always able to walk the dog every day and have that so I don't I don't know how I would would fare but I, d- I, I don't really see what the problem is and I know I look I've spoken to people who have said yes but you've you live with you know you've got a family you live with people if you live on your own I imagine it could be very different but I think it came after Roland Garros which is a brutal three weeks in terms of hours and working so I was pretty wrecked by the end of it so to have a few days just to relax to then tidy the house because during lockdown I didn't have a chance with a couple of five-year-olds sort of running around saying entertain me homeschool me so I've actually I got rid of well I've stacked up sort of six seven massive bags for charity which I haven't had the time to do before one thing I miss I'm missing we've only got a really little garden uh, you know people talk about they did a marathon in their garden and they had to do I don't know a hundred laps of their garden or something. I'd have to do about ten thousand. I mean that that's yeah. <laughs> that's how small my outdoor space is. <laughs> Wait, so I've <laughs> I just remembered I actually did that when I was little. <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. It got it got so extreme. I've oh my god, I've just remembered this. I was so embarrassed doing? about it. So, so this is about I would have been and you're about gonna 11... tell you're so embarrassed. But you're now going to tell everyone. I no, I was so embarrassed about it. Now it's just <laughs> hilarious. Because I was about 11 years old. So you can give me the benefit of the doubt. But um, I was, it was about 11 years old. You're starting to get a little bit more serious about tennis. And you've got to start doing some fitness and some training and some off-court stuff. And going practice your serve. And it's like, okay, you want to do this, off you go. And that's when you start to sort of knuckle down a bit. So I hated running and like, just going out the whole thing of it I just couldn't be bothered just going out and all of it I was oh gosh just didn't want to do it so I decided to run around my house and your house yeah so I was inside or outside outside for the first time and we lived in a in a in a in a bungalow and you could run around the outside so I did just do sort of like 150 laps of the house and it was a Wow. 5k or something like that and then um and I thought oh I'm onto something here and then <laughs> next time <laughs> the next time it was miserable weather much like it is today um it was raining and I was like mm, no so I ran up and down my living room <laughs> oh dear <laughs> no but you don't understand oh because it was literally like I thought I was being so professional <laughs> I thought I'm like a professional athlete even the rain won't stop me I'm gonna run so what I did my brother was watching tv on the sofa so I pushed the sofa forwards and I just ran up and down behind it and now I did not live in a mansion I've just mentioned I lived in a bungalow it must have been about seven meters (laughs) and I had and I had and I just ran there and back and I had a bottle of water at each end that I could grab to drink as I was going 
How many? I, how much did you do, like? How long did this go on for? This particular day. Well, I I did a full sort of. I, I worked it out. I did the maths. I did a full like sort of five k or something or whatever they had asked me to do. <laughs> it took ages. <laughs> it was just. It was genuinely like three or four steps. And then I didn't tell anyone about it. I just said I'd done it because nowadays you've got heart rate monitors. So coaches know that you've done it and it comes through to them instantly. So there's no hiding (laughs) at all. Um, But we didn't have anything like that. So I just was like, yeah, no, I did my 5k, blah, 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 blah. Um, And then uh, later in the session, my coach had had a chat with my dad and was like, you did it in your living room. (laughs) I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at no mortified. point at no point did your brother just tell you to shut up or stop doing it because that must have been so irritating well he was laughing because out of the two of us he was the really good tennis player and he was a bit older so he actually genuinely did like <laughs> strength and conditioning he was just home <laughs> from uh the academy where he was training so he would have been what 14 and was kind of <laughs> you know genuinely like doing professional stuff and there's me thinking i was being the most professional i i, I oh i was so proud of myself <laughs> I wish there'd been some kind of some kind of home video or something of you just taking four steps, having a slug of water and turning around and going again. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I feel your pain in terms of running up and down your garden. Well, can I can I just say if people are just joining in, they've somehow missed the beginning of this podcast. I haven't been doing that in my living room, just to say Um, I'm missing running outside. But I've been doing exercise videos, but I get I get really bored. Like I get bored of running, which is why I listen to podcasts. So I don't really think about what I'm doing. Yeah. Exercise videos. I get so bored. I just, so I've been doing lots of like seven minute ones, 20 minute ones, 10 minute ones, 15 minute ones. And there's this woman, she's quite famous for her workout videos. One of her ones has had like 48 million views or something. And I'm, I mean, it's difficult. Like I'm now at that stage, I'm over it. When she tells me to do something, I kind of want to say no, which I know is not the point of an exercise video. You just do it. But I'm getting, (laughs) I want to rebel now. Do you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm done. I'm over it. I want to go outside. So that's, but look, that's, it's a really tiny thing. But other than that, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's, look, I, I understand if, People, I was very lucky I didn't have any work that I would need to leave the house for in these two weeks. And I understand. Yes. I know people that, that didn't take the work at Roland Garros because they would have missed too much work. So I know a lot of friends working in football, Champions League, Europa League was all this week. And that's something that goes throughout the year, throughout the season. So I know a lot of people who couldn't go to Paris because of the restrictions or those that did and are now missing that work this week and I know that makes it a lot more difficult and and I know in the UK they're talking about making it a week so you'll t- you'll quarantine for a week you'll take a test and if you're clear off you go again so right. that's possibly coming in but look it's a simple thing to do it's straightforward look the chances are we're all fine because we've been tested hundreds of times I've had the thing before but you do it because you have to do it what I do not understand is that there are still people and let's focus on tennis players who do not understand what are very simple rules i you and i know as as athletes they have exemptions like a friend of mine lucy has an exemption letter as a coach so she still has to do lots of tests but she doesn't have to do the 14 days right i get that but if you get tested positive it's simple you isolate, you do not move, you stay in one place, you wait till your test is negative. What is so difficult 
about that that people still do not get? I don't know. That is the answer. I don't know. And it's, um, yeah, a little bit frustrating. And uh, I'm going to take a stab at the fact that you are alluding <laughs> to uh, Sam Query and his uh, fleeing <laughs> of uh, the Soviet Union. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he um, he ran away from Russia, didn't he? Because he had to quarantine because he was positive. Um Makes it sound like a spy movie. I know. The, I loved the way that it was written. It was the fleeing, wasn't it? He, Sam Query has <laughs> fled Russia. It's like, what has he done? <laughs> Normally, I was just uh, amazing. Anyway, uh, but yeah, um, just what an extraordinary story. I mean, absolutely extraordinary. There was a lot of reporting done by Ben Rothenberg, a friend of ours at the time, as it was unfolding, and then we got statements from the tournament, and then there was a statement from the ATP. And he made the decision to go and play in St. Petersburg. He made the decision to take his wife and his young child, baby, we're going to call it a baby because he was only born, not even a year old. And they have to take tests. Everyone has to take tests wherever they're playing. And he got a positive, the whole family, wasn't the whole family got a positive test. And it was kind of like, right, you've got to, you've got to isolate and stay in. And this is when the story seems to go off on, on different directions in that initially they were told they would be isolating in the hotel some five star sounds like a fabulous place probably to stay in for a- yeah anything called a four seasons is uh, it's, it's gonna right. be good right i'm gonna <laughs> isolate in, right. a, in a four seasons for as long as you want me to isolate in the four seasons in st petersburg as well it's a lovely city it's gonna be it's not gonna- that he could enjoy it i understand that <laughs> he could roam around the city but as in it's it's a city that is a it's a nice place to be Exactly. But to be fair, with these restrictions at the moment, there's not too much roaming of cities going on anyway. I mean, a lot of people, they're going in, they're getting out. The the chance are they've been to that city before and they'll go back to it again. But this is when it there's not different versions of the story, but we've we've sort of been piecing it all together. He was asked to stay in his hotel. And then I believe the plan was they were going to move them. I think the tournament said to premium quality, premium class accommodation. So not within the hotel, but they'd move them to premium class apartments where they could last out their uh, isolation, their quarantine. And then I believe that, was it the tournament doctors or medical people came to knock on the door and Sam Curry refused to open the door. I think he said the child was sleeping or something. Um, And then I believe that when they went back a second time, they're gone. They're just left. Yeah. Without checking out. Gone. Took a private plane, and that was that was what the that was that the tournament sort of report of it, or some of the officials, the Russian officials, anyway, that were trying to deal with the situation. Yes, added in there. We went a couple of, of times to, yeah. to, and then it was said Sam Curry apparently was worried that they'd all be hospitalised. I think apparently they were displaying mild symptoms, and the main thing is they have a full recovery. But he was worried that I don't know they'd be hospitalised. What would happen to the baby? What would happen to his wife? And I just it felt it felt a very extreme reaction, and I've been looking through this on social media. And a lot of people are saying, "Hey, I would have done the same thing." It's about protecting my family. It's about but what? But from what? What was going to happen? <laughs> exactly. What no, was I... going to happen to you and your wife and child? Okay, like I, it's a hospital. That's where they look after you. If if that was what he thought, and there's obviously this big dispute as to whether that was even on the cards or talked about. Maybe there was a you know you know lost in translation sort of situation i don't know but you know it's a hospital in st petersburg it's fine like (laughs) it's okay 
But surely, what are they going to do to you? They're not going to poison you. It's like you say, this isn't some sort of spy film. And it is like he almost reacted to it like it was, you know, he's now suddenly in this sort of spy having to flee the country in the uh, in the dead of night sort of situation. And I don't know. I mean, unless there are any other details that, that, that come to light that he had been told or whatever, it just seems a bit... A but I can't imagine bizarre. if if you you have this virus and if you are displaying symptoms, surely a safe place, a good place, would be to be in a hospital with medical professionals, and they're not suddenly going to separate the whole family. I mean, I don't know why you'd need to. You would isolate together as a family in this hotel in the premium class accommodations. It's not as though you have. They all had it, so they were all positive, right? So it's but not you as just though. Kind of, yeah, and you just feel like. Whoever, in terms of the Russian, I'm going to call them Russian officials because I don't know who they were. But the the Russian officials were probably just really trying to look after them as best as they can. They've got these VIPs who've got lots of money and are staying at this... um, you know, in a lovely hotel and it's part of the tournament and they desperately want the tournament to go well so that they can hold more tournaments moving forward. And they probably just really wanted to look after him the best they possibly could. And suddenly he's fled. He's, he's fled the country in fear for, you know, the, the safety of his family. It's extraordinary. Well, can we come down to the basics? What on earth are you doing mid-pandemic travelling with your family, with a wife and a baby? That, that, I mean, that, that comes down to the very beginning of all this, surely. Well, no, I don't. I see, but why I don't would you? mind that so much. But I, but I, then mind the reaction. It's like if you're going to travel with your wife and child, you have to understand that you might test positive and you might be subject to quarantine rules in whichever country you're in. So you need to do your homework. You need to know what the rules are in the country that you're in. You need to know what's going to happen at the tournament. And you know this this is a scenario that might play out. So I don't really mind him travelling with his wife and child if that's what he wants to but do. Why would I you? Mean, but you but, 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 I wouldn't. But why would you? You've got you've got a very small child, and I know that from from what we've seen so far that young children aren't as affected as as adults and that is a wonderful thing that they're not as affected to the point that we know of okay I get that but anyway why would with everything that's going on surely at this moment in time we wanted tennis to return for many reasons and for the players that's how they earn their living as you say they're independent contractors they need to earn money right get in get out you can't go sightseeing or doing the things you'd normally do because we are mid-pandemic you've got to respect the country you're in you've got to respect the rules of this virus and what we have to do it's not a jolly it's not holiday although it does sound like a very lovely hotel so you get in and you get out you don't you don't i i just don't understand why you would bring your family at a time like this i i just don't understand do you think that there is something about the sort of um uh i don't know how to explain it but i suppose the image of russia around the world in terms of what it like, might happen and i personally i mean look Russia is huge when it comes to tennis. We've had so many superstars over the years come out of Russia. They host lots of tournaments. They're you're huge supporters of the game and whatever. But I would have thought that tennis players would possibly understand that, that, that some, of the, some of the image doesn't necessarily relate to, to them and their situation. It's much more... I, I, do you know what I mean? Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, I, I, I think that would this have... Would this have happened? Would he have fled 
Italy? Would he have fled Paris? Would he have been worried about going to a Parisian or an Italian hospital? Maybe, maybe not. It, it did feel a little bit when this started to play out. It's like, what on earth did he think was going to happen? What did they think they were going to do to the Query family? It, it, that was the immediate thing you started thinking. What? Why? And they maybe said, he is a spy, and the whole tennis thing is a hot. <laughs> it's just a th- maybe that's the thing. Oh, can you imagine? There's just a whole other layer to this. But then I read somewhere that they said yes, but they hired a, a private jet and they sat at the back of the plane, so they were nowhere near the pilot. Again, yeah, well done. What do people? <laughs> this, this is a. This is a. We're told this is the most. Open the window for some ventilation. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. We're told this is the most contagious virus that has ever existed. That's why we wear face masks. This is why a lot of people can't leave their houses, etc., etc. But we sat at the back of our private jet. It's not a jumbo. It's not. It's not three hundred seats. Wherever many you get on a on a jumbo, it's a tiny little private jet. And they're what huddled together at the back of this plane. They're still having to deal with people to get on the plane. There was probably someone looking after them in the plane. They then apparently flew around to find a country where they didn't have to quarantine or isolate or whatever it was for 14 days. Land and off they go. All the while, three people positive for the virus. Do we know where they ended up? Uh, no. I don't. Maybe, maybe we do. Oh, God, it's so secretive. I love it. I, I, I could start just mentioning countries, but I might not be 100% right. So I probably won't start mentioning countries. But this, this is a little bit like the Adria tour. Djokovic and his wife tested positive and they flew back to Belgrade. It, it's the it's the kind of, no, 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 you can't be getting on a plane and fly. So if I'd been tested yeah. positive on my last day in Paris, I couldn't have, as much as I'd have seen going home the next day, I couldn't have gone home. I would have then had to isolate in the hotel or somewhere for 14 days. Do you know yeah. what? I mean, Dimitrov flew back to Monte Carlo, didn't he, after his positive test? Yeah, this is what this is what I really don't understand. Yes, you can you can wear a mask and you can do all these other things, but when people say when you've got it, you stay in and, and you don't and probably I would be fine to go out because the chances of me having it are slim to none due to the testing and the fact I've already had it. But I'm respecting what I've got to do for the two weeks. And yes, I'm in a good position that I can do it for two weeks and not miss out on too much. But I don't get what people think. Oh, I'm positive. Right, I'll fly home. Yes, okay, it's nicer to self-isolate at home. Of course it is. But I, I, I just, I don't get what people do not get about the fact that you, that you can't do that. You, well, yeah, and if you are so concerned about the place that you're in where you might need to isolate, don't go there. Like you don't have to play these tournaments. You're not. No one's getting penalised for not playing. You can use your points from last year. He didn't have to go. He could have just gone home after French Open. It's you know it's not a big deal. But like, it it's just it's so it's just so strange. As in like it's not like you know he's desperately needing to play. It's not. I just I don't I don't understand it. But I am honestly I am so loving this story. As I say, it's like a film, and there's all these ridiculous twists and turns. I can't wait until I'm sure Ben will be able to give us an update at some point in the future because uh, I I just loved reading through his whole thread on Twitter of just being like, and what and what. <laughs> it's, just well, it's, it's, it's like it's like a it's like a 
It's like a spy novel. It's like, I don't know, the Bourne Identity or those films. It's, it's like something <laughs> yeah, but, like that. It's all it's, mysterious. We don't even know what countries in. And it's hiring private jets and it's sneaking the family out. Uh, let's Didn't just check say, out. Can just... we just say under cover of darkness? It was probably <laughs> it was probably midday, but can we just say under cover of darkness, the queries slipped out of the Four Seasons Hotel, worried that they'd be captured and separated in the hospital and they flew somewhere that we don't... I mean, it. I just... Look, the ATP are investigating... It was a breach and and we wait to see if there is punishment oh, look, look these are difficult times for people around the world and and i get that in the moment he's positive his family are positive his baby is positive for this really really nasty virus i get that at some level maybe you don't think straight and you panic a little bit and you're worried for all the different reasons you might be worried you know what i get there's that element to it but I, I do not get the extreme reaction and fundamentally I do not get traveling with your family in the first place. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. What we do know is that Novak Djokovic is not playing Bercy. Yeah. But he will play Vieta because he's got, he can't, you know, he's got the maximum points with the new ranking. It's annoying when you've won everything last year. It's kind of like, oh, <laughs> just, can't really do just... much better. Well, he's going to play Vienna. And he's going to play the tour finals. And Nadal, everyone's like, no, Dal season's over. He's got number 13. But then there was the other camp saying, well, hang on a second. We've never had a Nadal at this stage of the year who's as fit and healthy. Normally at this stage of the year, Nadal's body is saying, please, can we go and sit on a yacht and do some fishing in Mallorca because I'm done? Yeah, I mean, that's where the body's at. But now the body's like, well, hang on a second. I actually feel okay with confirmation that he's going to play Bercy in the Tour Finals, two tournaments of the four biggies that he's never won. Totally. Makes complete sense. I think we were talking about this last week, weren't we? And I was, I was saying uh, he's never not wanted to play the tournaments. He just, he can't. And he's just got to look after the, you know, the longevity in his career. And now that just isn't really an issue. Playing Bercy in London, I don't, well, it seems like it's just not going to be that damaging for him. I mean, come on, winning Roland Garros, that looked fairly comfortable, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the most strenuous of two weeks for him even though <laughs> the tournament threw everything they could at him but yeah I mean he had that long gap through through the summer and his body looks fine he's fit and raring to go like why not go and play I mean obviously it's not his favorite surfaces it's not his favorite conditions he's never won the O2 well the, the tour finals has he um so, you know, it's not ideal, but the number one reason that it's been not ideal for him has just been the time of year and that the season's too long for him. It's been too long for him for a while, uh, but we had a massive chunk out, so so why not? So, I mean, that would be great for, you know, people at, uh, at in London at the O2. Not that anyone's going to be there. Are anyone going to be there? <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone going to be there? Some people might be there. I think a few people. Well, we know that Bercy, well, as things stand, I think Bercy is behind closed doors because initially Bercy was going to go ahead with a thousand people like Roland Garros. Yes. But obviously the situation has deteriorated. There's now the curfew in Paris from, is it 9 p.m. till 6 a.m. That so are they going to have to finish the matches then? Um, I was wondering about that. I'm not sure if there'll be any kind of 
special exemption which there could quite possibly be but i think in terms of restaurants and bars that's all that's all completely shut down so i don't think it will oh is it more I a curfew of being out and about yeah if you're working I don't think, it might be so yeah. different i don't think the whole city will have to will have to shut down but they won't they won't have any fans and i think also probably nadal made it through the two weeks of roland garros staying in a hotel uh, he you know he was out of his usual routine and it was okay. Do you know what I mean? Because you know Nadal yeah. has all the little bits and pieces he has to do. Suddenly they were saying, it doesn't matter who you are, but you're staying in one of these two hotels. It's it completely out of his routine, but it went really well. So I think there's also that it actually wasn't that bad. So I can do a couple more tournaments. And I think it looks like, doesn't it look like in terms of number one rankings, Djokovic has pretty much got it. I think he'd have to have a shocker in Vienna and then he'd have to have a, a complete shocker in London. Yeah. Like win win nothing. I think you'd have to, I mean, you'd have to have a complete shocker. Um, so I, I don't think that is necessarily up for grabs. But again, these are two titles that Nadal doesn't have. And we talked a little bit about this with Serena Williams when the tour resumed. We had a feeling that in terms of getting a couple more Grand Slams, that this was a great opportunity with certain players missing. And for Nadal... It's also a great opportunity for him in Paris because there won't be Novak Djokovic there. We know there's no Federer. We're not sure about Andy Murray with a recent injury, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the Tour Finals, there'll be a, a very different looking lineup for the eight. Again, it's not easy, but it's different. An opportunity for Rafa Nadal to get two titles that he previously hasn't had. Yeah. Absolutely. Look, I just think he wants to play. I think he wants to compete. That's what he loves to yeah. do. He always loves to do it. I'm... I don't think he, I think over the years when he's not been able to play the back end of the year, I don't think he's been heartbroken about it, but he would be a bit kind of like, oh God, that's a bit annoying because he has tried as well. You know, he, he we, we often see him competing at the end of the year. It's not like Serena Williams who just goes US Open and I'm done. And she did that for a number of years. He does try, but he just kind of kept having to pull out a lot and just didn't play great. I mean, he pulled out of London. He's, well, he played a match, pulled out, then pulled out of London, played played some matches in Paris, pulled out there. It's just kind of, it's been, it's just a frustrating time of year for him. So it'd be nice to see him playing and just kind of ready to get stuck in rather than the question marks of sort of like, can he make it through a whole tournament um, and see what he can do. Someone else whose frustrations continue are Andy Murray, another injury setback. No. Yeah. But it's the same injury, that. isn't it? That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not new. <laughs> I know. Hip. It's hip. It must be. It must be so frustrating because he must have. I mean, he's talked about trying to lower the expectations and try to sort of change where he is now from where he was at. But it must still be so frustrating. I think the most frustrating thing must be in any form of sport, whatever, that the mind is willing, but the body is not able that that must be so annoying when you are so ready and you will do anything and everything but you physically are not able to yeah I know and you can just feel how disappointed he is and how frustrated he is with the the situation even though he has it's not really like he's said anything or I'm not going off anything I can just feel it in the air I'm in London <laughs> I can just I can feel I can feel the anti-Murray disappointment in the air <laughs> But um, yeah, well, maybe that's just my disappointment. I don't know. But, you know, we, we hope that he can get back to playing regularly because when he's come back to playing, you know, it's it's been it's been good. It's looked good. OK, the best of five set matches, that's just a different situation. It's not yeah. ideal that he had to do that so early on in his 
you know, in this particular comeback. But in terms of the tennis that he played, he won Antwerp last year. He absolutely can be playing at a great level. Can he be number one in the world again? Probably not. But, you know, he can he can compete up at that level and we just want to see him back week in, week out consistently. Something that's going to keep him busy though, he's he's back on the player council, the ATP player council. They had a they had to have a little rejig because of everything that happened pre-US Open when everyone started to leave. When Novak Djokovic yeah. said, I'm resigning as president and Vasek Pospisil said, I'm, I'm off as well. And then another group of people said, well, okay then, I'm off as well. And they're setting up their, what's it called again? The, the PTPA, is that right? Have I got those? I haven't heard much about it recently. No, it's gone. What doing. Well, that's, just, that's gone quiet. But So they had to have a little reshuffle on the ATP player council. So Kevin Anderson, present, president, who was vice president, I think that's an, an, excellent, um, an excellent addition there, Kevin yeah, Anderson, I think president. That's safe, safe pair of hands, that. You yeah, think? I think. He's going to be driven. He's going to be trying to do the right thing. I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's fabulous. And Andy Murray is back. He's in the at-large category. What is the at-large category? <laughs> so, 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 at large. so Murray and Federer are at-large. What do at-large people do? Because everyone else has got their little block. So they're representing one to 50 or one to 100 or two. What do at-large people do? Do they just do I whatever they want? Is that no idea? That's it, right, isn't it? I think they're just... They just do what they want. Yeah, they're just an addition that would be, you know, and it's Andy Murray, isn't it? Of course it's going to happen. And it's Roger Federer. I mean, you're too... Is that like when you have an editor at-large for a magazine? They're not. I don't know. Because you know, you get this sort of oh, editor at large. They're not bound by anything. Yeah, they don't. I don't know. I think I think they can just do their own thing. So I don't. Right. Do you see what I mean? I think they're. It's like a not like a consultant, but they're sort of at large. So they cover. They're not a specific looking after the one to ten or the one to fifty or something. Do you see what I mean? I thought you could give me more about this because you're on councils and boards (laughs) and things. Why am I Uh. telling you about at large people? I don't know. We don't have any at-large council members at the LTA. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about this because last, was it last week? Was it last week? Yep. You yeah. had, because you are, you, what are you? You're on, what, <laughs> what, what? Who are you? What are you? Who are you? Apart from somebody who runs up and down their living room hundreds of times. <laughs> who, <laughs> what, what is your role on, within, as part of the LTA player council? Is that right? Are you on that? No, 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 that's a different thing. Oh, actually. Right, okay. Right. Uh, so the LTA Player Council is kind of a new thing that right. uh, happened, I think, actually this year. I think the pandemic sort of pushed that forward a little bit. And there are some players that are nominated to to, to be on that and communicate yep. with the LTA and whatever. Um, that's, yeah, that's very different. I'm actually part of the LTA Council, just the oh, actual right. council. Okay, right. So in terms of the governance of um, the sport in the country, basically. Um, and I sit as player representative, well, strictly female player representative, because we have two. We have a male and a female. Do you have to get? Um, do you have to get vote as you're the player representative? Do players have to vote you on? No, because we don't really have a system like most other sports, and that we don't have a players' association in terms of like just we're talking about British tennis for as an example. So there's no sort of way of that happening. I mean, really, you put yourself forward. Uh, you have to have been... You can only serve within 10 years of when you stop as a player. I mean, people people do decide. You, yeah, th- there is a there is a committee uh, made up of former players that do decide who will be uh, the council members. Yeah. So do you have to put yourself forward? Did you want, at one point say, I would like to be on the LTA council? 
Well, actually, I mean, I was asked if I'd be interested in it, and then I just said yes. Oh, okay. Um, right. And then and then that was it. And then I was on. Uh, and <laughs> and then goes. is it like a is it like a president every however many years? Can you only serve a certain amount of terms? They kick you off, or do you have to be revoted back on? Uh, every three years, you kind of get revoted. Um, but as I say, it's more. Um, they want you to be relevant to having just played. So it has to be within 10 years of when you finish playing professionally. I imagine it's been quite interesting recently then with the tennis we didn't have this year, with the pandemic still ongoing and a 2021 season to plan. I imagine there's there's an awful lot for everyone to be sort of talking about discussing, even though there's a lot of unknowns around at the moment. Yeah, it, it really is. It's... Um... It's been a very interesting, it's been a very difficult year for, I think, all sports. I mean, tennis had a massive advantage in this country of being um, one of the only sports you could play originally. And that is real credit to the LTA because they made that happen. They had to sort of lobby the government for that to to be a possibility. So we saw a big boost in participation numbers um, through sort of June and July and that sort of thing. I say we, I don't work for the LTA. I just I just turn up <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to the meetings. I do some other bits and pieces as well, but it's all it's it's a volu- it's a voluntary position. Yeah, it's very interesting. I really enjoy sort of learning how the LTA works because when you're a player, particularly, you you have blinkers on. You just you're only you're obsessed with yourself <laughs> and your own career and anybody that you deal with in your own career. And actually, you know, I think for players, they talk about the LTA or the governing body. And I'm sure this will be the same whether it comes to the French Federation out in the States as well. Um, but actually, when you talk about the the governing body, you're, you really only mean the like the performance bit, which is quite a small part yeah. of any sort of governing body. I mean, the LTA is, is responsible for the whole of British tennis. Mm-hmm. So that's all facilities and coach education and everything. And um, yeah, it's... It, it's very interesting to sort of open my eyes to the rest of the organisation and all of the other hundreds of people <laughs> that work there and what they do and when it comes to comp- competitions, participation and understanding the, the, the governance of the sport. It's been really, um, yeah, really sort of educational because I didn't know anything <laughs> about it really <laughs> because, as I say, you just kind of deal with the people in your sort of inner circle. And I think that's fine. It's not a bad thing. You know, as a performance player, that's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. But it is, I think it is really important for players when they finish to, I think, understand how the sport operates. I am on the, you know this, don't you? I'm on the parent and teacher school association group committee thing. I don't think that's, I don't think that's the official right. name. I think that's just a few words okay. put together. <laughs> and I feel we're looking at very different things where you're looking at kind of the future of the game and how to help people. I did help serve cake at a coffee morning um last year nice. raising funds because basically the school raises funds to buy equipment for the school you know it might be computers or books and bits and pieces or to help people that maybe can't afford trips and lunches and bits and pieces so it's it's an amazing committee but it, it has been made harder because of covid because all those things you do you can't do you know all those things like i don't know little school discos or getting everyone together, you now can't do. So there's nothing, there's nothing for the committee to get stuck into. Well, it's kind of made it, it harder because they're having to think... So they're having to, at the moment, plan... Normally you have a Christmas fair. It's in the school hall 
and people with young children know this and it's everybody crammed into the school hall it's chaos there's games kids can win sweets there's it's there's a raffle you know it's it's madness but it's a lot of people packed together which obviously can't happen at the moment maybe never again who knows so they're actually having to come up with ways of doing different things so sort of keeping the spirit alive and celebrating Christmas and keeping it normal but then kind of not going near anybody it's kind of it's a little bit weird so it's actually it's actually harder for them to organize event I mean why are you be... saying them you're part of it you're on the committee no I've been yeah, yeah they no. do it all <laughs> I know I they, see your contribution no. very strong they you know I, I you know what contribution was very strong last year this year not been as strong because a there haven't been as many events and b because of work suddenly we've gone from no work to suddenly there's lots of work yeah you know, normally we don't have roland garros at this time so normally i'm a an ever-present parent at the school gates but that's been a little bit different so i will i will try and help out where needed but no it's it's very different so just think about councils and committees and working and i just think everything is so different now do you know what i mean in terms of whether it be the tennis council or the school council or whatever it is i can't believe that you have not mentioned Rublev yet. Oh, he... <laughs> Look at your face. I wish, listeners, I wish you could see her face. The She's first thing fan. to say about Rublev is he's, he has the most incredible hair. Oh, yeah. I mean, did did you see the trophy shots from St. Petersburg? Did you see the trophy ceremony? <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> the Russian ceremonies are are amazing. They're like off the scale. Full concert. But what about you're born a Chorich and you're well, sat I think there. both of them had plenty of issues with having to sit through. <laughs> yes, but it's <laughs> easier to sit through if you've won. It's easy I don't to... know. They both looked pretty, pretty gone with the whole situation. They're like, just give me the trophy, give me the check, and I'm going. But easy, you know. Imagine you, you've lost, and you're sitting there, and you're dealing with all those emotions, whatever they are. And you've got. I mean, the ceremony was. Yeah, I mean, look, it's some people are trying to do different things in this pandemic. They're trying to go bigger than they normally would. Some people are doing nothing at all. Uh, St. Petersburg is, well, is doing St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg really tried they had live music at the sit downs yeah. that I was like that. extraordinary I like that did you like um, that I like that I was I mean I've, I don't think I've great. ever really seen it before I, mean, I like just, that yeah yeah great yeah. Uh, and then a full concert <laughs> the thing is, is the concert you feel like should just sort of happen afterwards you know like do the yeah. concert as Rublev is doing his victory lap and holding his trophy up to the cameras and that sort of thing and then kind of carry on. Because isn't there a thing about, and you'll know this as a professional athlete, that when you've played your match, you don't want to let your body go cold and bits and bits. You've got stuff to do still, right? Oh, yeah. There's a and lot so to do straight away. If you're sitting there on the sidelines just getting cold while this concert's playing out, I imagine that's not that good on that side of things. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to say that I don't know anyone, anyone that we work with, because we have to commentate on it as well, players coaches i don't think anybody likes a long ceremony that's no. just I, I just who who would enjoy that <laughs> long speeches don't you find this sometimes the hardest thing commentating radio or tv is when not a funny ceremony but there's stuff in the ceremony that makes you chuckle and but you have to be really serious and you, you feel you could slip into a graham norton who in the UK does the Eurovision Song Contest and you know he does the commentary alongside Eurovision and it used to be Terry Wogan in the UK and you know they sometimes say funny stuff that's sort of taking the mick a little bit do you know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes I find it hard with these ceremonies not to slip into that <laughs> because cause you're watching it thinking 
I genuinely, and especially if it's radio and you're having to describe everything, you're like, I genuinely do not, I cannot believe what I'm saying. Well, imagine if you had, because also, like, if you were doing radio commentary on the final where um, they presented Federer with a cow. <laughs> just imagine that. And now we've got a cow coming onto the court. <laughs> I just remember ridiculous. David Goffin won Tokyo a few years ago. And one of the, um, they, so we got given a massive watch. A massive bouquet of flowers. The trophy eventually came out, the cheque. And they gave him like a year's worth of wine, of this red wine that was sponsoring the tournament. And David Goffin, he's not the tallest of players on the tour. He's taller than Diego Schwartzman, but he's not the tallest of players, right? They they brought out um, a bottle of wine that was taller than him. <laughs> so he had to stand with this cardboard cutout of a bottle of red wine that's actually taller than him and like smile. <laughs> and so you're having to sort of talk through this and you just, as I say, it, it's, it's really hard to, because you just want to slip into sort of just being a bit jokey about it. But you've got to remember that this tournament is very serious and it's, you know, they've worked hard on making this wonderful ceremony uh but it's uh no there's been some... well it's always the thing isn't it with the champagne sponsors we get a lot of champagne sponsors uh and alcohol sponsors through uh the tournaments and they want the players to have a photo with the champagne and to drink some of the champagne just have a little yeah. they pop the champagne yeah. have a bit of a drink of the champagne uh, but like a lot of the time they're underage <laughs> especially <laughs> i think it was it andrescu when she won in, in indian wells or whatever she's like i can't drink it it's 21 i'm <laughs> I'm not 21. So they, I think they're allowed to take the photo with the champagne bottle. But then they're like, well, I can't drink it. I think it happened to Zverev as well. This is quite, quite funny. The poor, the poor sponsors are like, just we want you to drink the champagne. It's legal. My funniest thing from Zverev was when he was newly getting all these deals, he turned up at Bercy. And in Bercy, they have those big armchairs instead of benches or seats. They're like, because mm. it's sponsored by a hotel, it's basically like a hotel room at the side of the court with a little lamp and the fruit bowl. And he put his watch on the arm rest and Carlos Bernardo said you can't put that there and he said yes I can he said no you can't and he said they're paying me and he said but you still can't you still doesn't matter what they put it on at the end put it on the warm-up you can't sit it on the armrest of this chair because you've got this wonderful deal um but yeah they, they want it to be out there and shown but I should say Rublev four titles that's the same as Djokovic I know that they've been different level titles, but he's still got four titles this year and he's won 34 matches and he's lost just seven. I know. He's Rupert. really, really coming into his own now, isn't he? He's done really well. And all He's played so well on all different surfaces so well. and just, oh, and some of the matches that he's produced have just been off the scale. I mean, phenomenal. His ceiling is just so, so high because of the way that he plays. And he can have some matches where he blows out a little bit. But I agree. I think it's been amazing to see him play so consistently because he does have that game style where you think, you know, can you do this every day, week in week? Really? You're doing it again? <laughs> I was thinking, this is a lot. if I had to go and play him, and you know sometimes you get out of bed and you're feeling a bit tired or you're just feeling not at your best, to then face Andre Rublev, who you know has got this kind of psychotic energy and the noise when he hits the forehand and how he hits the forehand. I just I just couldn't do it. Do you know what I mean? I can imagine he's going to face some people that are like, I just can't do this. I like, I, yeah, I, the noise. You know, I literally can't face you today because it's just too much. It's just it's yeah. just too intense. And it, look, it's going to work in his, his favour in a number of ways. And from what we're seeing, he's a, a fabulously nice guy and very well-spoken guy off the court as well. 
Yeah. He's got that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I can see why you're a fan. But, and and for sure. And then I've had to deal with poor old David Goffin getting coronavirus. And he's obviously, mm. he's obviously not as all well in the Goffin world right now and hasn't been playing well. And this looks a little bit sad. Looks a little bit sad. So he's now, I believe, playing in Antwerp because I think coronavirus has passed. So it's all, I mean, this, wow. 2020 has been a year. It's going to have a wonderfully happy ending for yourself with... Uh, a little addition to the family in a few weeks' time. Yeah. And can we just say, before we leave everyone today, that if suddenly the podcast, it disappears for a week or two, you might have given birth. I just, we need to put that out there. Do we not? Or I might just be in like a week-long labour. You might be in, you might... <laughs> we could record while I'm in labour. It'll keep me oh, off. Oh, that would be awful. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm just going to tell you now, you won't want to do that. Just going to tell you now. I'm fairly confident that I won't be packing my uh, podcast record kit <laughs> to the hospital. I would actually insist that you don't. <laughs> but what we can say is that it's almost certainly not going to happen next week we will be back next week